This is the Mainly Plants Podcast. My name is Ryan Furman, and I am a certified plant-based nutritionist. The website is mainlyplants.com. Social media, at Mainly Plants, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook, everywhere else, LinkedIn, Snapchat, all those places. And if you're doing Amazon shopping, go to mainlyplants.com slash Amazon, and it'll take you right to Amazon. helps me out, so I can continue to help you out. So... Let's just get right into it. So today, which is Thursday, which would be yesterday for y'all listening to this, uh, if you listen to it on the Friday that's released, the U.S. pulled out of the Paris Accords, okay, uh, which were the uh, the agreement that you know a bunch of bunch of different nations uh, signed up to to adhere by in order to curb climate change. And what well, let's. Let me just kind of give you a quick back background on it, okay? So basically, the whole climate, the whole uh, Paris Accord is voluntary, okay? So the whole goal is to keep the climate from raising uh, two degrees Celsius. Now, in order to accomplish that goal, the Accord states that countries should strive to reach peak emissions as soon as possible, okay? So currently, uh, we're on track to hit peak emissions around 2030 or later, which will probably be too late. But the agreement doesn't really detail exactly how all these countries should do it. It does provide like a framework for, for, for getting momentum going on greenhouse gas reduction. And there is some, you know, oversight and accountability for doing so. Um, the U.S. had pledged um, to reduce... 26 to 28% of its greenhouse gases by 2025. And 195 countries have agreed to this Paris Accord. But there's there's no defined punishment for breaking this agreement. You know, this the, the idea is to create this culture of accountability, you know, and peer pressure, kind of, you know, get on other nations to get countries to step up, you know, their climate game. But there's no real... Uh, punishment or real oversight. The The idea was that in 2020, everybody who signed up for this, the 195 countries, their delegates would reconvene and provide updates about their emission pledges and report on how they're becoming more aggressive on accomplishing this two-degree goal. So everybody's up in arms. Well, I shouldn't say everybody. And I don't want to get political at all. I'm just here to give you facts, okay? But there's a lot of people who are up in arms about pulling out of the the Paris Accords because they feel that uh, you're you, it's a death sentence for the Earth. Um, what you need to understand, number one, uh, before we kind of get into the the uh, agriculture side of this, is that China and India, two of the biggest contributors to pollution in the world, um, aren't really doing a whole lot, and uh, and they're kind of skating around the regulations. Um, there was actually a great Vice news piece done on this. I believe it was last year. You might still be able to find it. If you want to email me, I can try and find you the link or send, send you the link. Um, but it's a big problem because India and China aren't doing anything about it. Not really. And which, which throws the whole agreement off. Yeah, it's nice to, uh, to say that we're going to make the effort. But real effort needs to be taken. And this is kind of where I come in, okay? Because animal agriculture alone 
is responsible for 18% of greenhouse gas emissions, which is more than combined exhaust from all transportation. Okay, so you're talking about trucking, uh, any kind of trains that still run on coal. Uh, you're talking about air pollution from airplanes, water pollution from all uh, marine vehicles, car, obviously. So animal agriculture is more than all of that combined. So what's infuriating is, is seeing people post how they're super upset about the, the U.S. pulling from the Paris Accords and then posting a picture of a cheeseburger. Because what it really comes down to is accountability, right? Yes, America is accountable. And whether or not, whether or not we should have pulled out from the Paris Accords is not the question. The question is, what are you doing about it? Because combined, we make up America. We make up the United States. So what the fuck are you doing about it? Okay? Transportation exhaust is responsible for roughly 3% of all greenhouse gas emissions. Now, livestock and their byproducts account for at least 32 million tons of carbon dioxide per year, which is 51% of all worldwide greenhouse gas emissions. This means that if you eat meat, if you eat dairy, you are contributing to the number one cause of greenhouse gas emissions the number one cause of climate change, if you eat meat. So unless you are 100% plant-based, I really don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear how upset you are, or fuck Trump, or, or, or how you know we're idiots for pulling out. Because you're an idiot complaining about that we aren't doing enough, but really you're not doing enough. If you're eating meat, you are guilty of contributing to the climate change. Methane, which cows produce, is 25 to 100 times more destructive than CO2 on a 20-year time frame. Methane has a global warming potential 86 times that of CO2 on a 20-year time frame. Okay? U.S. methane emissions from livestock and natural gas are nearly equal. <coughs> Excuse me. And to really break it down, cows produce 150 billion gallons of methane per day. So when you go to the store and buy cheese or buy a steak or buy a hamburger, what that does is tell the cattle industry and tell big beef and big dairy that they need to produce more. And by producing more, they're contributing to climate change. Because of you. Even without fossil fuels, we will exceed our 565 gigantons CO2 limit by 2030, 100% from raising animals. Animal agriculture water consumption ranges from 34 to 76 trillion gallons annually just for raising animal. Agriculture is responsible for 80 to 90% of water consumption in the U.S. alone. You know, you think about other countries that are big in, in, uh, in um, agriculture. You know, Brazil, China. It's a lot of, I mean, it's just us. That, that's only us. 80 to 90% of water consumption in the U.S. is from animal agriculture. How much of in the world, you know? Growing feed crops for livestock just 
Just what we feed our livestock consumes 56% of water in the United States. That means that more than half of the water that is consumed every day in the United States goes to raising plants to feed to animals. Californians alone, if you're in California, listen up. Californians al alone use 1,500 gallons of water per person per day. And about half of that is associated with meat and dairy products. Twenty. In order to produce one pound of beef, one pound, you need to use 2,500 gallons of water. All right, so when you think about California going through this gigantic drought, and I'm just using California as an example, but it happens all over the world. When you think about California using the, having this big drought and then going and eating, you know, the, there's people complaining and then going to eat steaks and burgers, you're the cause of the problem. 477 gallons of water are required to produce one pound of eggs. Almost 900 gallons of water are needed for one pound of cheese. Imagine what you could do with that. Imagine what you could do with 900 gallons of water instead of eating one pound of cheese over the course of the year. Or some of you over a week, I'm sure. 900 gallons of water for one pound, that's astounding. That should, that should send you into the stratosphere. You should be pissed off that you didn't know this. You should be changing your habits immediately. If you drink milk, it takes a thousand gallons of water to produce one gallon of milk. You're drinking a liquid. All right, milk, first of all, milk is fucking awful for you. It's terrible for you. It'll give you osteoporosis. It'll give you cancer. It's bad for your eyes. I mean, there's a slew of issues that come with milk. But if you're drinking milk, it's a liquid that you're drinking, right? One gallon takes 1,000 gallons of water. You could drink 1,000 gallons of water instead of one gallon of milk. 5% of water consumed in the United States is by private homes, okay? 55% of water in the U.S. is for animal agriculture. In the same regard, animal agriculture is responsible for 20 to 33% of all freshwater consumption in the world today, worldwide. Okay, now livestock or the food that is required to feed livestock occupies one third of the earth's ice-free land. Think about that. 33% of land not covered by ice is used, is covered by either livestock or the food specifically used to feed livestock. Livestock covers 45% of the earth's total land. Animal agriculture is the leading cause of species ex extinction, ocean dead zones, water pollution, and habitat destruction. We use two to five acres of land to raise one cow. So when you see, you know, I'm from California and I've driven, I'm from San Francisco. So when I drive from, you know, uh, I'm in Scottsdale now, Arizona. So when I drive from here home, I have to take Route 5 and I drive past Harris Ranch. And you can dr I drive for miles, and there's thousands of, upon thousands of cows. Imagine how many acres of land are used, are wasted on that. Two to five acres of land per cow. Nearly half of the contiguous U.S. is devoted to animal agriculture. One third of the planet is desertified because of it. Because of livestock. 
Animal agriculture is responsible for up to 91% of the Amazon's destruction. One to two acres of rainforest in the Amazon are cleared every second. And the leading cause of rainforest destruction is livestock and feed crops. Feed crops, again, what you use to feed um, to feed livestock. 136 million rainforest acres have been cleared for animal agriculture. Now you have to remember, you know, the rainforest is like the lungs of the earth, okay? It filters in, it, it takes in all the, the CO2 and methane, and it produces uncanny amounts of oxygen, which is what we need. Now, when you are clearing it for livestock and feed crops, number one, you're reducing greatly the amount of space in the lungs of the earth. Right, so obviously there's nothing there to um, to filter out the garbage that we put into the air. But number two is what most people don't realize is that when you when when people are are clearing them out and then a lot of times they will burn uh, you know vast amounts of acreage at one time because it's the fastest way to clear land. When you burn it, you are releasing back all of those CO2 emissions from the plants from the trees that have been stored in there. So, yeah, you are reducing the, the, the capability of the earth to breathe, but you're also releasing back out all these gases that were trapped inside these, these trees and these, the, the agriculture of the rainforest. 70 billion farm animals are reared annually worldwide. And, and more than 6 million animals are killed for food every hour. 6 million animals every hour. And it's not just killed, but brutally killed, tortured, okay? I mean, they're tortured throughout their lives, but, you know, the way the methods of killing are also barbaric. Not that there's a humane way to kill, but you know what I'm saying. Throughout the world, humans drink 5.2 billion gallons of water and eat 21 billion pounds of food each day, Okay. That's just a, to give you a, a, an idea of what we consume. Worldwide, cows drink 45 billion gallons of water and eat 135 billion pounds of food each day. So let's compare those two. A cow, 45 billion gallons of water a day. A human, 5.2 billion gallons of water each day. That's what, nine times as much? And then for food, 135 billion pounds of food each day for cows and 21 billion pounds of food each day for humans. We're, just, we're, we're pissing the world away on animal agriculture. We are currently growing enough food to feed 10 billion people. There are only 7 billion people on this earth. But we're growing food for 10 billion? The average American consumes 209 pounds of meat per year. All right, so 209 pounds. Let's do some math real quick. I'm gonna bust out my calculator. Okay, so it takes 2,500 gallons of water to produce one pound of beef. Okay, now let's multiply that by 209, which is the pounds of meat per year that the average American consumes. And that is 522,500 gallons of water wasted on meat 
that one person consumes, the average American consumes each year. Think about that the next time there's a drought. Think about what you're eating. The land required to feed one person for one year, if you're a vegan, is one-sixth of an acre for the entire year on average. If you're a vegetarian, it's three times as much as that because of the dairy. If you're a meat eater, it's 18 times as much as a vegan. One and a half acres can produce 37,000 pounds of plant-based food. One and a half acres. Now remember, it takes between two and five acres to raise one cow. Cows don't weigh 37,000 pounds, but it takes only an acre and a half to produce 37,000 pounds of plant-based food. It takes the same amount to produce 375 pounds of beef. That's not even a whole cow. A person who follows a whole food, whole plant-based diet 100% produces the equivalent of 50% less carbon dioxide, uses 1 11th the oil, 1 13th the water, and 1 18th the land compared to a meat eater for their food. Every day, a person who eats a vegan diet saves 1,100 gallons of water, 45 pounds of grain, 30 square feet of forested land, 20 pounds of CO2 equivalents, and the lives of animals. So the next time you or some of you know wants to complain about uh, climate change or about how we pulled out of the Paris Accord, I'm not saying it's a good it was it's good or it's bad. The next time you or somebody else complains and then eats meat or dairy, you're a hypocrite because you're contributing to the problem. What are you doing to save the world? You don't have to go vegan or plant-based ethically. You don't have to go even go vegan or plant-based, <coughs> excuse me, vegan or plant-based for health reasons. But if the earth means something to you, that might be a reason. There's no reason not to. Because our obsession with meat and dairy is the number one concern of climate change. All right, so let's move on to this week's plant of the week. It is the sweet potato. Oh, real quick. If you have questions, comments, concerns about what I just talked about, or you want to debate me, which would be even sweeter, uh, please email me, ryan at mainlyplants.com. Um, love to hear what you have to say. Uh, all right, sweet potatoes. So let's go through some of the reasons that sweet potatoes are so good for you. They are very high in vitamin B6, and vitamin B6 helps reduce the chemical homocysteine in our bodies. And homocysteine has been linked with degenerative diseases, um, including heart attacks. So it's high in B6. They are a very good source of vitamin C. And now, while most people know that vitamin C is important you know, to help our immune system ward off colds and flus and stuff like that, um, it is also critical in bone and tooth formation and critical in digestion and blood cell formulation. It helps accelerate wound healing and it produces collagen, which helps maintain um, your skin's elasticity. 
and it even has been shown to help us cope with stress. Okay, it's it uh, vitamin C has also shown a potential to help protect our body against toxins that might be linked to cancer. Number three, they are a good source of vitamin D, which again is, is good for building healthy bones. Uh, it's also critical for our immune system and overall health. And um, both, both a vitamin and a hormone, which are vital um, key parts of vitamin D, it is primarily made in our bodies as a result of getting adequate sunlight. So you may have heard about seasonal affective disorder. It's also called SAD, which is linked to inadequate, inadequate sunlight and therefore a vitamin D deficiency. Um, but vitamin D plays an important role in our energy levels, our moods, and helps build, like I said, healthy bones. Um, helps keep our heart and nerves healthy, our skin and our teeth, and also supports a healthy thyroid gland. Number four. Sweet potato contains iron and it helps support a healthy immune system. Now, most people are aware that we need the mineral iron to have adequate energy. But iron also plays other important roles in our body, including red and white blood cell production, resistance to stress, proper immune functioning, and the metabolizing of protein. So, it's good for our, good for our immune system. Number five, sweet potatoes are a good source of magnesium, which is the relaxation and anti-stress sort of mineral. It is necessary for healthy artery, blood, bone, heart, muscle, and nerve function. Um, yet experts estimate that approximately 80% of the population in North America may be deficient in magnesium. Uh, you might have heard of a, uh, a workout supplement called ZMA. Um, it's got magnesium in it and that's supposed to be what gives you energy for your workouts. They're also a source of potassium. Now, potassium is one of the important electrolytes that help regulate our heartbeat and nerve signals. And like other electrolytes, potassium performs many essential function, functions, <laughs> many, many essential functions, uh, some of which include relaxing muscle contractions, reducing swelling, and protecting and controlling the activity of our kidneys. Man, I have a dry mouth today. Uh, sweet potatoes, despite their name, do not cause blood sugar spikes. They are naturally sweet tasting, but their, their naturally sugars are slowly released into the bloodstream, which helps ensure a balanced regulation of energy without uh, you know, these big blood sugar spikes linked to weight gain and fatigue. The glycemic index of a sweet potato is actually less than a regular white potato. So if you don't know if you should be eating a white potato or a sweet potato, eat a sweet potato because it's much healthier for you than a regular white potato. Okay, they also support um, uh, hormone production, like I said, but uh, if you're a man, eating sweet potatoes can help help your natural testosterone levels. Uh, sweet potatoes also can help ward off cancer and protect against the effects of aging. Now, sweet potatoes are orange in color, which means that they are high in carotenoids, and we've talked about carotenoids across the board, um, but in terms of like, we've talked about it in terms of um, stress reduction and anxiety and depression. But carotenoids like beta carotene, um, which are a precursor to vitamin A in your body, occur in things that have that orange and reddish color. So carrots, um, red bell peppers, and sweet potatoes. And carotenoids help strengthen our eyesight 
and boost our immunity to disease. They are super powerful antioxidants that have been shown to help ward off cancer. There have been studies at Harvard University of more than 124,000 people, um, and it showed a 32% reduction in the risk of lung cancer in people who consumed a variety of carotenoid-rich foods as part of their regular diet. There was another study done uh, of women who had completed treatment for early-stage breast cancer, um, and it was conducted by researchers at Women's Healthy Eating and Living Well. And it found that women with the highest blood concentrations of carotenoids had the least likelihood of cancer reoccurrence. Okay, so all great reasons to to uh, to introduce carrot or um, <laughs> carotenoids, introduce sweet potatoes into your diet if you already haven't, and step them up if you already have. They are super versatile. You can roast them, which I love. Uh, sometimes when I want a hot meal, I'll roast them with a bunch of other veggies with a couple tablespoons of coconut oil on top. Really good. You can puree them, you can add them to your smoothie, you can steam them, you can bake them, you can grill them. I feel like uh, uh, Bubba in in uh, Forrest Gump. Um, but they're great in soups and stews or, you know, like I said, you can grill them uh, and put them in your salad. A really good idea is a hot cold salad, so you make a regular salad, then you toss some hot uh, grilled veggies on top. It's really good. Um, they're really good with onions, really good with, with bell peppers, add them to your sandwiches, add them to your wraps. The, the, the reason that I love them so much, I'll leave you with this, is because when they're cooked, when they are grilled or, or roasted, and they're added to like a sandwich, like a veggie sandwich, they give you that sensation that you're eating something meaty. They, they satisfy that meaty craving if you have those. Uh, when I first went plant-based, my friends... Um, uh, you might have heard the podcast. I was, I was, you did hear the podcast. If you heard me on the the Renaissance Man podcast, which I had posted as one of my podcasts a couple weeks ago, he, that that guy Marco, when he introduced me to the plant based diet, he made me a meal, and there was a dish of sweet potato. And the first thing I said to him is that I felt satisfied because the sweet potato um, curbed my craving for meat. So that was my intro- introductory lesson into uh, the plant-based lifestyle. I'll leave you with that. I'll leave you here. Again, questions, comments, concerns, ryan at mainlyplants.com. And until next week, go eat a salad.